everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative, storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. Hey everyone, it's Brandon back with another Turbo. I thought we would chat today about a clinical topic which is of a lot of relevance, something we deal with almost daily. Uh, but I don't think is very well, or at least not very thoroughly taught in initial training um, in school and so on. The topic is bacteremia. And bacteremia seems pretty straightforward, but it, it actually has some subtleties that you usually have to kind of figure out as you go, unless you get a really strong uh, framework to look at it from a perspective like ID. Gosh, we should all do an ID rotation early on if we can. But um, in lieu of that, let's just spend a few minutes addressing kind of a way to look at bacteremia and understand it. Initially, it seems very straightforward that, of course, bacteremia is the presence of bacteria in the bloodstream, which normally should be a sterile space. This is not like other parts of the body, like uh, the lungs or the urine, that sometimes will have bacteria, bacteria just sort of colonizing it. Uh, but not always causing clinical infection. Bacteria should never be in the blood, and if they are, it, it should be considered pathological. So if you do have bacteria, where is it coming from? There are essentially going to be two sources. One is that you have an infection elsewhere in the body, which is reaching the blood uh, by being significant enough or high-grade enough. So let's say you have a urinary tract infection. This is an infection in the bladder and perhaps ascending up the ureters involving the kidneys and so on. Normally would be isolated to those organs. But if it is severe enough, it may start to spill over into the bloodstream. So that's why a urinary infection like a pneumonia or a biliary infection or a cellulitis or anything else may, although will not necessarily, involve bacteremia. Now, you are going to identify the source of infection by more targeted methods, right? By cultures from that site, urine, sputum, whatever. Um, and of course, clinical or imaging findings of, you know, bacteriuria, uh, urinary complaints, and so on. The presence of bacteria in these cases, what does that mean? Well, understand first of all that it's not going to be a particularly sensitive test, although it may have some useful specificity. Because again, many of these localized infections will not cause bacteremia. And if they do, it may cause a, a kind of low-grade bacteremia. So this is a concept that I think is useful to add to your, your worldview of infectious disease, which is that bacteremias come in varying degrees. And this could be pretty intuitive if you think about it. The blood is flowing along, there's bacteria in it, but how much bacteria is there and how consistently? If there's a great deal of bacteria um, and it's pretty consistently present, you might call that a, a sort of higher grade bacteremia. If it's not very much or it's kind of intermittently there, maybe it's kind of more low grade. And you would probably find this by the um, regularity with which it appears on your blood cultures. So, you know, typically nowadays we will draw blood cultures in two sets, usually from two different sites, 
and each set is uh, two bottles, usually an anaerobic and an aerobic culture bottle. Uh, understand, first of all, that the majority of pathogens we're dealing with, certainly in the ICU, are organisms that can kind of grow in both. They're usually kind of facultative aerobic organisms. Uh, so it's not of a great deal of clinical significance, you know, which bottle something grows in. Um, in many ways, the two bottles, even though they do have some relative differences, it's essentially just two bottles. It's an additional uh, volume of blood, additional opportunity to grow something. Uh, and then, now that you have two sites, it's really four bottles, right? So how many of these bottles are you growing something in? Um, and to some extent, how quickly are they growing it? That's your first clue as to the grade of bacteremia here. So if you draw your two sets of blood cultures, and within 24 hours, all four bottles are growing out an organism. That would suggest to me that this is a fairly high-grade bacteremia. It got every one without missing, and it happened pretty quickly. Now, the sort of time to positivity is um, a variable you could make more concrete and operationalize um, by actually timing that. The time to positivity is something that um, a micro lab could, could report to you, and it's sometimes used for sort of semi-quantitative cultures where you're really trying to get a sense not just if there's bacteria present, but um, how much of it there is. It can be used in things like trying to diagnose Lyme infections. Um, but in a very gross sense, you know, how quickly it is reported to you is useful. The lab is periodically uh, checking on these bottles and the machine usually tells them when something is starting to look positive because uh, usually the presence of gas in there. And of course the other thing is how many of them. So compare this to um, maybe something that took longer but certainly if you look at the results and you see like only one set is positive and maybe it's only in a single bottle so just one out of those four bottles or a couple, that's starting to look kind of lower grade, right? So what does this tell you? Well, that is typically gonna be a pattern you see more for bacteremias caused by localized infections because you're, again, kind of spilling bacteria into the bloodstream from something local, you know, maybe particularly if it's under pressure, those classic surgical infections, um, you know, a, a hot gallbladder or appendix or an abscess somewhere, which is kind of stuck in building up pus in there and then forcing it out into the bloodstream. You know, the, one of the biggest things you can do there is to decompress it, right? So the pressure is gone. Um, but because it's just kind of caused by that overflow, it's often gonna be just sort of here and there. Um, and that's why you may see it less consistently and less reliably. Uh, those really high-grade bacteremias are often gonna be caused more by the second source of bacteremia, which rather than a localized infection is an intravascular source. So within the bloodstream itself, that's where the original cause of infection is. It's not from somewhere outside. So what are intravascular sources of bacteremia? Um, things like a intravascular device. So uh, a line, like a central line something more permanently indwelling, like a pacemaker, or uh, potentially a source that originally did originate elsewhere, so it could have been from an infection somewhere, or um, you know things like IV drug use that introduce bacteria more transiently. 
Um, but they got somewhere and they settled in. So something like an endocarditis or uh, a septic thrombophlebitis, an infected clot. Um, so you've got bacteria that settled in somewhere like on a heart valve and formed a vegetation. Now you have an intravascular source of bacteria which is kind of set up shop even though you know, the original bacteria may have come from outside the body. Obviously, all bacteria originally are from outside the body. Um, but these are all bacteremias that are from inside the blood, and they are therefore going to much more reliably be shedding and circulating those bacteria. So when you skim through the chart and you see multiple sets of blood cultures over periods of days, and every single one is positive, and it, it looks like the same organism. The older ones have perhaps speciated. Um, maybe the most recent ones are just a gram stain, but those are coming back really quickly and it looks consistent with the prior organism. That should tell you this is an intravascular source. That is not what something like a UTI looks like, both because those are usually sort of lower grade if they're present at all, and because th those should resolve pretty quickly, those should not be persistent over a period of days. I don't want to get too much into treatment here, that's sort of another topic, um, but we should touch briefly on the general concept of sequelae of bacteremia. Um, because it, let's take that example of bacteremia secondary to infection. You may very reasonably wonder, you know, this is uh, Klebsiella bacteremia that was caused by this Klebsiella UTI, um, but the fact that there is bacteremia, how does that change? what I'm doing. I know there was a urinary infection, I'm treating the urinary infection, uh, what do I do about the bacteremia? And that varies. It varies somewhat by the clinical context, but it probably varies most of all by the organism. The main concern when you have bacteria in the blood is exactly what we just described. It may start kind of settling in and metastasizing to other parts of the body and then essentially creating new infections regardless of where the original source was. The extent and the probability to which this is going to happen really depends on the bug. Most gram-negative organisms, and I'm broadly generalizing here, but most gram-negatives um, don't do a lot of this. Um, the bugs that you typically worry the most about, uh, and the classic example would be forming an endocarditis, right? Because the, the heart valves especially, all the more so something like a, a non-native valve, because a piece of metal or bovine tissue or something doesn't have any of the, the native defense mechanisms that your body's immune system has in your native tissue. Um, so they're very susceptible to being colonized by bacteria. Um, but even your native valves can have this sort of thing happen. Uh, but it depends on the bug. So uh, Staph aureus loves to form vegetations. Uh, fungi love to form vegetations. These are the sorts of things that if you find in the blood, your next question should be, have these uh, caused something like an endocarditis that I now have to treat? Um, these are going to be things that you treat for longer, typically, for this exact reason. You want to make sure you've eradicated any uh, uh, biofilms or early vegetations. Um, and you need to go look for those things themselves. So Staph aureus bacteremia, as a standard of care, needs an echocardiogram, at least a transthoracic echo, to look for vegetations. 
And if you find one, then you have to decide what to do with that. If you don't find one, you may still have to ask, should we do a more sensitive transesophageal echo, uh, which might find small vegetations we couldn't see on the regular surface echo. Um, you can argue about how important this is. Some cases you can probably just monitor blood cultures and make sure they clear up. If they continue to be positive, then you may have to do the more invasive studies because that's starting to look more like, again, there is still an intravascular cause of an infection. And of course, bacteria can go elsewhere. It can settle into the spine and cause epidural abscesses. I mean, it could infect just about any part of the body, particularly if it is circulating on the arterial side, right? Normally, if you have bacteria that shed from whatever, let's say your bladder, it may get to the right side of the heart and cause something like a right-sided endocarditis. But if you've managed to get bacteria on the left side of the heart, now, of course, it can be firing out to any part of the body through the arterial circulation. That's how you start to see septic emboli in the lungs, in the spleen, in the brain, causing little infarcts and potentially a whole new nidus of infection. Those are all things you might consider looking for if you do have one of those persistent bacteremias. So there are a lot of subtleties here and you know, getting into what should these actual durations of treatment be, um, if and when you should be repeating blood cultures to see if they clear and so on, and you know to what extent different sorts of organisms should make you worry. But I think just having a general sense for uh, what bacteremia means to you, what causes it, and again, that sort of rough way of looking at it as this seems like a very high-grade bacteremia. Gosh, there's just bacteria everywhere reliably in this blood. Uh, compared to those lower-grade ones that really act more as a, a kind of epiphenomenon of other infection and doesn't necessarily pretend a tremendous change in how you're treating them, although it's certainly prognostically not great. Some things to think about. Talk to you next time.